You're listening to the Full and Thriving Podcast, a place where courageous women come to break free from food obsession, heal their relationship with their body, and strive to live a life that's present, lighthearted, and meaningful. If you're listening, my wish is that this podcast serves as a catalyst that inspires you to nourish your body, nurture your mind, and energize your spirit. I'm your host, Meg McCabe, a certified life coach and eating disorder recovery coach with a PhD in having a good time. Just kidding about that last part. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to the Full and Thriving Podcast. I am so excited today because I have a very special guest. Her name is Haley Cole. She is a spiritual teacher. She's a coach. She is a healer. And more recently, she is a artist, which is so exciting. I, you've been an artist your whole life, but I know like professionally an artist. We actually know each other from our college days, like kind of. We were like but we know each other through college kind of like we're in a ton of group texts together which is <laughs> funny because we didn't actually know each other in college <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. awesome but like crazy and then anyway I just want to say Haley's uh I've been following Haley's journey for such a long time now and She's, uh, I've actually studied under her myself. So she's had a huge impact on my spiritual journey as a person and as a coach. And some of the things I incorporate in my coaching are actually tools I've learned from Haley. So it's really a pleasure to have Haley on the show. Haley, welcome. Thanks for having me. (laughs) It's so good to see you as always. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good to see you too. As you know, this is a eating disorder recovery podcast, but it's also kind of a healing podcast and it's evolving into kind of a spiritual podcast as well. So I wanted to ask you, how did you become a healer? Like what was your path and did your relationship with food and body image have any impact on that path at all? Mm -hmm. So it's a very long story and I always try to like (laughs) condense it as much as possible, but I always was a very spiritual person like I like kind of joke that like I was born (laughs) born with it I just had like a very deep connection I always really loved God you can say universe whatever creator I just use the word God so just for just for anyone who who knows but I kind of grew up like Catholic for a while in my family and then I was around eight and my parents kind of switched it up a little bit (laughs) and um we started looking into other things and when when we looked into those other like kind of philosophies and and ways of thinking we were introduced to different like spiritual teachers who taught me kind of more of what I aligned with and what I kind of knew what was almost like resonated a lot more with me what I knew was kind of going on in my day-to-day when it came to like how I could speak to at the time I didn't know but like how I could speak to my guides and my angels and different like kind of beings and stuff like that and so I kind of had like almost two lives, I guess you could say the life that I had in school and and I played sports. So like with my teens and like that forward facing and the life I had inside of my home or even just like inwardly, which is a very spiritual person who was like, I always was and still am thinking about like 
source and God and the love that I have. And so it was a very almost like split kind of lifestyle. And I think over time, what happened in fairness to like the disordered eating was I developed very low self-esteem. I think I almost had like an identity crisis because I, I didn't feel like I was fully showing up as who I really was, but also when I tried, I didn't feel that accepted. And so I think I was trying to kind of figure that out and I, you know, had, had low self-esteem and I eventually um, did develop like a problem with eating, a problem with body image and just kind of like how I saw my, myself and I was very confused and there was other factors that obviously went into that as well, but I didn't make the best decisions, but, you know, kind of going, going through that process, it, it evolved into eventually being able to, to heal it from an energetic sense, which was incredibly powerful. And, you know, before I talk about anything, I do always like to emphasize that it is important to like, also look at the mental health aspect of it. I know my journey is like very unique. And when you're working through this kind of stuff, it brings up stuff and it brings up triggers. And I was able to learn how to deal with it from a very young age from the teachers I had. And so it was like a little bit of a different approach. But I always suggest if you're going to kind of go on a healing journey, to mix the spirituality as well as like getting a therapist and a mental health professional, so it can really balance it out because I think it's they're they're equally as important <laughs> but, <Yes>. yeah <laughs> but um you know I think that sometimes in the spiritual community like people really emphasize one or in the mental health community people really emphasize the other but I think they can really work symbiotically in a beautiful relationship but for me it was just kind of a journey of really discovering myself understanding what I could control because essentially I just felt very out of control of my life I was in a toxic relationship I felt like I couldn't control what was going on with my body and that relationship I eventually did kind of like gain that control get out of that relationship I started like healing that aspect with my relationship with food a little bit with the relationship with my body but not too much Um, and then when I graduated college shortly after I was um, trigger warning like sexually assaulted and I ended up you know really just diving in and looking into all aspects of my of myself and my body image, my femininity and my spirituality and what it truly meant. And it was definitely like an intense period of healing, but it was it was the approach that was best, I think, for me at the time. Mm. That's my story. I'm so glad you read that. <laughs> the short version of it. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you on that. I feel like my story starts like 15 to 16 years ago. So not that long, but seriously, I could talk all day about my story and I'm sure we could talk about like that entire healing process. And I feel like you were just in a cocoon and then emerged a butterfly. Obviously you're an evolving human who's always learning and growing, but it's from the outside perspective, I really view your healing process as a very intense solitude, almost like solitary experience where you were processing so much and then growing into your spirituality throughout. Yeah. So essentially how I approached it, um, cause I was just, I was just very depressed. I couldn't really get out of bed in the morning if I did, like I, I did, but it was just like a huge triumph. Um, and eventually just kind of over time, it was like a few weeks after um, the assault had happened. And I was just like, I, this isn't me. Like I used to be so happy when I was younger. And like, I, I don't remember the last time I was happy. And like, I knew 
I could be. And I, I saw this person who was like strong and powerful and, you know, living a joyful life. And I was like, I know that that's possible. So I'm going to do everything in my power to ensure that that's who I'm going to become. Like I didn't even have a goal of teaching or to start a business. Like I just wanted to be happy and I wanted to heal. And I kind of, that's exactly what happened. I was living in Rhode Island at the time and it was literally in Newport, which is a small, small island. And I lived in like this three bedroom home that was like really small though. And like, I lived in like the attic of it. <laughs> um, it was a very nice attic, but I would come home from work and I would go work out. And then, cause that was part of the healing process was to physically have control of my body and what was going on with it. And then I would go into the emotional and spiritual healing aspect of it later that night. So I would come home and I would just go upstairs and just meditate. I was so diligent about like what I consumed from a media standpoint. I wouldn't really let myself watch TV aside from like, I think I let myself like watch The Bachelorette or something, but that was like the only like show I would allow myself to like consume. And other than that, like I couldn't consume any media unless it was like positive, helped me spiritually, or ex- like it was knowledge driven. Um, mm. So it was definitely, and that lasted for about, like I say, like a solid like year and a half. And it was a very like intense kind of condensed process, but I think because it was so intense, I was able to to work through things at a much faster rate. And I was very lucky. And I know that that's not the case for everybody, but um, I was very fortunate to be able to do that. Yeah, I completely agree. It's But it's always important never to compare your healing journey to other people because, yeah. you know, I consider my eating disorder recovery very quick. Like mm-hmm. it was just maybe two, two-ish years of like intense recovery. And then things just fell into place where some people it's, a lifelong struggle. So mm-hmm. I hear you when, when you're saying, Oh, my spiritual journey was actually faster than most. Like it is, you just got lucky in that case. And yeah. now you can, you know what I mean? And now you can really move forward. I still got a long way to go. <laughs> it's yeah, a constant. The healing and the purging. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Did you ever think about going to see like a mental health practitioner or anyone during that process? I I did. I couldn't afford it. So that was a big reason too for me why I was like I had to figure something else out because at the time like I was living off of $11 an hour. <laughs> so there wasn't a whole lot of like wiggle room for that. I did talk to you after it happened I talked to someone who I knew just to help me process it and to just say like yes this happened and then for me all I really needed to hear was like essentially this wasn't something that happened inside of my head and then it actually jump-started a lot of stuff I talked to like definitely some healers more but for me it was very more of the spiritual sense and reading as much as I could about psychology and trying to understand from that perspective. But yeah, couldn't, couldn't afford it. So I had to figure something else out. And, okay. and I did and it worked. So yeah. That's very powerful. And there's so many free and affordable resources out there to support your mental health, mm-hmm. that you really just have to be a little resourceful and take initiative and they are out there. So I'm glad that you found what worked for you. I know yeah. through my recovery journey, I always lean on spirituality, meditations, free people, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I lean on that and a bunch of other things, even podcasts and books. And those resources 
are so helpful. Even YouTubers are extremely helpful. It's always important that if you do have access to mental health support, that you just go for that as well in conjunction to all the other resources mm-hmm. out there. Absolutely. I've always been curious. I've never asked you about this before, but <laughs> when we were, I was taking one of your classes and you mentioned that you had kind of disordered eating in your ancestry, like ancestral trauma and in your past lives. And I'm very curious to know how you were able to connect to that and uncover that mm-hmm. through, you know, your spiritual work. So I'm always very careful with how I talk about my family because I love and respect them. But when I was, when I was looking at, you know, um, our, our family history and specifically within like the certain line of my mom's side, I noticed that there was definitely patterns in all of the women that were born in to that side, specifically my cousins and I. And when I examined that, I was just like, there's no coincidence that there's, I think there's five of us in total that like all five of us have dealt with maybe like different in different ways, but pretty much the exact same thing. And so when I um, kind of examined that aspect of it and I looked deeper into it I started learning about ancestral trauma started learning about DNA and how we very much kind of take on you know certain things from our ancestors and that's scientifically proven but sometimes people look at it from more of the physical sense rather than like the fears or the emotional responses or the way that we act which is definitely a huge aspect of it so for me what I noticed in the feminine side is there is some stuff around, you know, speaking up, standing in power, being in control of the situation. And it showed up differently in all of us. But for me, I put that into how I control my body. It's very into like, and I, and I still think working out is a very good thing. It just depends on the reasoning behind it. But I was super into like working out to the point where I was almost like punishing my body um, or because I was like angry at what I had like eaten or something along those lines. So um, it was like control was a really big thing. And it was like underlying. And that's how I dealt with it. And so I had to look at and examine within my ancestral DNA and ancestral trauma of the line and the lineage within my mother's side. So it was a lot of like journaling about it, releasing it, talking to my ancestors. I would talk to like my great grandmother a lot from that side of the family. She's like was very chatty and I like met her. I like don't really remember her that much, but she helped me a lot to work through things like that. And just to acknowledge that and to release that. And so if anyone, I think if on their, their journey, you might not have like the exact same situations that show up, but you might have the same underlying theme that shows up. So for mm-hmm. mine, it was control and, uh, and it was very similar in the way that we dealt with it, but it, it was necessary for everyone to look at it in the way that they kind of implemented it in their life. Um, mm-hmm. And so for me, that was what I, I had to do. And it was a lot of big self-examination, but also kind of just connecting with that entire line through what I did it through meditation. I did it through journaling and just connecting with them. And I think it's important to remember when you're doing ancestral work, because I, I was like angry at my ancestors for a really long time. <laughs> but I think what, what you come to realize is everyone, and this goes for this lifetime too, is everyone is just operating with the tools that they are given. And at that time, like we're really the first generation, especially for women 
who get to make their own money, who get to like be empowered and, and utilize their voice and like to be in control. And so it's not that surprising that especially for for women in the feminine lines, that situations around control and how we cope with it are starting to arise to be purged because this is really one of the first generations where we get to see woman being in, in power and honoring that. And so it is a big thing that I think women, I think that's why eating disorders were so prevalent, um, especially in our generation, was because there wasn't a whole lot of support for women starting to be in their power. And so we had to learn how to cope with that in certain ways. And certain ways that we did that was maybe through unhoping, unhealthy coping mechanisms. <laughs> um, but now we're starting to realize what we can actually control and that we can be empowered and that we can utilize our, our voice. And so we can put that energy into positivity rather than self-destruction. Mm, I love that. Wow. I've never really thought of that in that way. Like when we are the first generation really that's been able to have way more control of our lives than in the past. Mm. So now I'm thinking about my ancestry and like my grandmothers and my great grandmothers. And they really just, I mean, they didn't have a lot of control over their lives. They just got married really young, started having kids until they were like in their 40. It was like from age 20 to 40, they were like having kids because yeah. Catholic, you know, Irish Catholic family. And I wonder like if I were in that situation and I felt an extreme sense of like out of controlness, would I have leaned on food and dieting and all of that stuff to give me a sense of control? And I'm guessing most likely, yes, you know? Yeah, exactly. Or even just like, maybe even like how you talk to others or, you know, like controlling your, your children or criticizing your, like, it, it just mm -hmm. shows up in so many different ways. And so that's why whenever I'm talking and I'm teaching about ancestral work, like it's not, it's not about getting upset with them because they still set up the groundwork for you to be here without them. You wouldn't be here. And without yeah. the work that they, they did because each generation has progressed and has, you know, made forward movements. It's just, this generation is definitely like really making those forward movements because we have the internet um, mm -hmm. and that changed a lot of stuff. And so there's a little bit of a disconnect, but I think honoring that and saying thank you and, and being in gratitude, but also, acknowledging and releasing it so that if you decide that you want to have kids, then it's not passed down to your children as well. Mm. And obviously for your, for yourself. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I completely agree with you there. The cycle can continue, but it's really up to you as a human on this earth to stop that cycle. If you have the power to do it and you can. Mm -hmm. so. Haley, you also mentioned a lot. I've meant a few times in quickly the concept of self-expression and your ancestors and dealing with learning how to kind of better express yourselves. I, I kind of get a, a sense I should ask you about this. So could you tell me how self-expression helped you through your kind of healing journey and also how self-expression might be stifled when you are struggling. You know, I feel like I see this a lot in my clients and they're stuck in the self-expression realm and they're not really sure how to go about doing that. Mm -hmm. So if we're looking at it from an energetic sense, you know, when we look at the chakra system, 
we, and especially when you're going on your healing journey, it actually is very helpful to go from like the root up and to deal with like each aspect, because I think people look at, they look at the chakra system and it's very isolated. Like the throat is for, is for truth. And that's, that's it. Um, but it's actually, they're all working together. And so when we're going through a healing journey and especially the self-expression journey for, especially for women, it's important to look at every aspect of the self. So we can start at that, that root chakra, which is talking about fear. So what is the fear that you're experiencing when the survival instinct that's kicking in with self-expression a lot of times and I'm talking about it through the woman's lens obviously this can apply to men too it's just easier because I am a woman to talk about it through the woman's lens but for women you know when they self-express sometimes they would literally they get killed and they in past lives too definitely come into play with that and so for them a lot of speaking out is not only being ostracized, but also like, oh my God, am I going to die? Like that's kind of the underlying thing to to all fears is just like, am I going to make it? Am I going to survive when it comes to fitting in? And like years ago when you didn't fit in, you were isolated from the community. And so you kind of didn't make it. And so there's a lot of stuff around that when self-expression comes up. So if, if you're struggling with that, examine the fear behind it and examine like the fear around speaking your truth and what comes up around that. Examine that from the time you were a child. If you can look into past lives and you're okay with that, if you believe in that, like you can look into past lives and then look at the ancestral trauma. And if you can't really figure out how to look at it from like maybe your great, 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 great grandmother, just look at your your mother and maybe like her mother and how they might have struggled with speaking up and how they dealt with that. And then go to, you know, the, the sacral, which is blocked by guilt, which I don't really believe in blocks that much, but like mm-hmm. the energy gets stuck um, is more of how I like to say it because energy likes to constantly be moving, which is why when we're trying to like, you know, express ourselves if we push it down and we push those emotions down it still wants to move so when we're triggered we feel the emotion again but then we just keep suppressing it because the emotion wants to come up and so that's when we see like you know disorders pop up or we see um, anxiety come to the surface or we see you know like even weight gain, because if you're holding on to a lot of guilt, it imbalances your hormones in that level, because that's what the sacral is in charge of. And so you might experience some like weight gain. So like energy wants to constantly be moving, and it will move no matter what, it's just depending if it's in a healthy way. So examining then, you know, the guilt, the sacral also like holds all of our experiences. So what experiences have you had around self-expression that you needed to release that might be holding you back from really like kind of going forward in in your own healing journey and then moving to the solar plexus which I love the solar plexus chakra. like I think it's like one of the most important ones especially for women because it's all about confidence and it's like literally the sun in your system so mm-hmm. then it's kind of like moving up to that it's blocked by shame so what have you what are you ashamed of wow, when you're okay. expressing yourself one, were you shamed for what you said? Like, and then did you hold on to it? And then it caused that guilt and that fear so that you decided not to. Because when we open that up, then it can really allow us to stand in our power and have the confidence and make those good decisions to not only like express, but also like decide what we actually want to do in life, which is a form of self-expression instead Mm -hmm. of just kind of conforming to maybe what your parents want you to do or what you think that you should do or what society tells you to do. And then we move up to the heart center. And oftentimes when you're working through manifestations, and the heart center, and when you when we work through the fear, we work through the guilt, we work through the shame, the heart center really gets people because it's 
it's blocked, quote unquote, by grief. And so when we're going through an experience, we're going through something where we're manifesting, we have to grieve an old version of ourself. Sometimes we have to grieve what happened to us as a child. We have to grieve the relationships that we've had that we might be losing or they might be shifting. Like grief doesn't just extend to to death, which I think is sometimes a misconception that we have. My guides told me one day, like we go through multiple deaths in our life. It's just that the last death is the death the body so we don't always connect it but with grief a lot of times people stop like they might get through all of that but then there's so much emotion there's so much sadness um then there's then they sometimes don't know how to not handle it but if they don't have the support or like the the know-how to be able to like work through that that processing or they don't want to feel the emotions along side that comes along with all of this, it gets stuck and then they just stop because they don't want to feel it and they close their heart up. So I, I look at heart, the heart chakra as like less as being blocked and more like you board it up with like windows <laughs> and like oh, doors. Oh. And like that, whenever I'm like doing healings on people, it's less of like the heart center is blocked because the heart is so pure. And it's more that people just like board it up or there's windows or there's walls around it so that no one can really get in or there's like vines and thorns around it. So if anyone tries to enter, like it's protected because that's what people do. They protect themselves from grief and they protect themselves from feeling sadness when in reality it can lead to joy. Really, whenever we experience pain, it's just so that we can experience joy and it only lasts as long as it has to before we get to that experiencing that joy it's just sometimes humans don't want to allow ourselves to feel that or we get addicted to the suffering and we just continue on that spiral when we really don't have to be in it and then we get to the throat center the throat chakra which is in charge of truth and so it's blocked by lies so it's like the lies that we tell ourselves that's like the first and foremost that I always kind of see is like not even necessarily what society and other people have told you although that does like kind of you take that on but it's also like well what do you tell yourself what's like what is the lie that you tell yourself is it that like for looking at disordered eating like is it that you can't do x y and z if you're not at a certain weight or like you don't have any control like what's what is the lie that we tell ourselves and what's hindering you from expressing yourself and what you want to do because sometimes when I do do work on other people who have like a block within this area it's more along the lines of like they feel like someone has like their hands wrapped around or there's like a chain wrapped around like they're chained to like belief systems or lies that maybe other people have imposed on them or they've imposed on their self it's and then it's also governed by like purpose so also are you feeling like there's a lack of purpose are you afraid of stepping into what you think your purpose really is, which sometimes differentiates from what society tells us it should be. And then that gets scary. And so we lie to ourselves. And then we tell ourselves that we're happy in this situation. And we're happy where you are. If we're not happy, then at least we're comfortable and we're content and we're stable. And so then as we open that up, typically what happens and why oftentimes when people go down a spiritual journey or a spiritual path, or they start doing like energy healing work, they realize what they actually want. And they realize, their purpose because they're really starting to open up and, and release the fear around actually living in their truth. And then we move up to the third eye chakra, which is blocked by illusion. And so it's the illusion of, you know, is this actually like this isn't I mean this is very spiritual like very woo woo but like this all isn't actually real. And it's all just kind of like we're all one and we're all acting as one. 
And this is essentially just like just a dream. The only real thing is love. And so the more that we tap into that, we open up our psychic gifts and we open up our psychic abilities. And the more we act within the purity of all of the, the chakras, we can open ourselves up to the possibilities and break past the illusion and then move, move up to the crown chakra and be connected to source energy and like attain that self-realization and enlightenment and there's actually like a lot more chakras it's just that we've kind of just focused on the seven because they're the most they're like kind of like the biggest centers but there's Mm -hmm. actually like a lot a lot more wow wow so that was a lot of information (laughs) and it's really cool so the way I see like the process there is to look at where you're struggling in life. So in that example, it was self-expression. And then you can kind of go through each chakra and examine how is this, how is self-expression impacted through each center and like what might be blocking that. That's very interesting. I never knew that. And for everyone who's kind of a spiritual newcomer, how would you define the chakra system? So they're energy centers within our body. And oftentimes people like look at them as like they're the, the the front they're actually from what I've come to understand from my team and my guys they actually like run through kind of like the center of your body and more like the spinal cord than anything um not that they don't exist mm-hmm. within the front um but their energy centers in the body and then those energy centers have specific forms of energy that they're in charge of so that's why like we have the root chakra which is in charge of like survival because it's like the human aspect of like source that's like in charge of so like it's really just energy centers up around our body and they're actually spinning they're never standing still they might be like slowing down depending on if they like have some stuff stuck in it or something along those lines but they're supposed to be like constantly moving um and they run Mm -hmm. up the body wow so what are some indicators Well, I'm sure there are a million indicators, (laughs) but like, how could someone who's trying to get a sense of their energy flow and energetic health, I guess, where they might be stuck, like if they were to do a body scan, and just tune into their body, how might they discover which chakra they want to focus on healing? So there's a few ways that you can do it. If you want to look at it from a purely physical standpoint, you can even see like if there's certain areas of the body that are painful or that you're having trouble with. For example, like I'll use the sacral chakra, like especially for women, oftentimes like the sacral chakra for women is very important. I mean, it's important for everyone, but it's a feminine chakra. So it's like really important for women to like, you know, purge that it's in charge of sensuality, creativity, creation, sexuality. And it's literally like kind of the divine feminine energy. And so when that's blocked or that has a lot of just energy that's stuck in there, our menstrual cycles can be out of whack. You might have very intense cramps. You might just have like very intense, like menstrual cycle kind of in general. Um, your hormones might be a little out of whack. And the more that we release it, the kind of the, e- the more ease it can be. You're not supposed to have a painful menstrual cycle. So if yours is super painful, if you're struggling a lot with that, that might be an indication that there's stuff going on within, within the sacral. Like I used to have such bad cramps that I couldn't even really... I struggled to like even like move. And then the more work that I did on my sacral and the more I released, I have them like for like an hour and they're not even that bad and they're pretty much like gone. So interesting. Well, there's so much focus on the sacral chakra in the eating disorder community, but not in a spiritual sense, but in a restorative sense, like a lot of women who are, who have anorexia lose their periods. 
mm-hmm. all together. So they have a total absence of a period. I know I did back in the day. And so energetically, do you have an idea of what that might mean if people are missing a period right now? Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. It could just go the other direction. It just depends on how your body responds to that, but it is probably, it's the sacral chakra is probably just a little bit out of, is out of whack. And it does greatly have to do with like being in that feminine and it does have to actually do with body image a lot because the next thing up aside from survival, is like kind of almost like how we, how we look. And when we feel any like guilt around that or we have like poor experiences that were just taken in in the sacral region we're going to experience you know body dysmorphia or we might have control over like our lack of control over like how we feel about eating or something along those lines because we're in and operating within more of a wounded feminine mindset um which that's a really big indication that the sacral is out of whack Very interesting. So when you say wounded feminine, what do you mean? So we all are, it doesn't really matter how you identify. I just want to say that first and foremost. Um, We all have the masculine and the feminine energies within us and we need both, but we can operate within the wounded masculine and the wounded feminine or the divine masculine and the divine feminine. And we all like obviously switch in and out depending on, you know, different areas of our life and our experiences and stuff like that. But the wounded feminine oftentimes um, a really good way to kind of see if like how that's how you're operating in is like, do you feel like you don't have any control? It's manipulation, it's jealousy, gossiping, kind of like that that shadow side of, of what people like say women are like. But then there's the divine feminine, which is very like flowy and loving and in control and loves their body and and honors that sensuality and whatever way feels right for them. I think sometimes people have a certain picture of what that has to look like, but it's really what feels best for you. And then the divine masculine, um, you know, we have the patriarchy, so we kind of see what that looks like, but um, it's more of like operating within, like if you feel triggered, aggression, being cold, not having that access or allowing the emotions to come through. The divine masculine is really supposed to be that stable, like, I know it's kind of like corny, but like the providing or whatever, but we still have that within us. So it's like providing for ourselves and still maintaining that independence. But also sometimes when we're operating within the wound masculine, even for women, we might feel like we over, over, do it a little bit in the control and like aggression and cold hearted, or we like cut ourselves off from our emotions. And so sometimes when we're operating within that, we lose sight of the divine feminine within us and that can throw us out of whack as well. Mm, I love that for everyone listening. Just, I know Haley touched on this, but it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman or any other identity in between, we all want to possess qualities of the sacred masculine and the sacred feminine. Yeah. And so even if you're a female listening to this, you might be, and you're struggling with an eating disorder, chances are you are living in your wounded masculine a little bit because it can become so rigid and um, structured. Really structured. Yeah. 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 So very interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. And I like love my side. I like love my sacred masculine side. Like it's mm-hmm. the one, the sacred feminine is really powerful too, but it's like a different kind of power and so it's it's still very it's very beautiful it's like what makes business like successful and and you need that structure still in your life and when I was like going through a healing process 
um, I think I've, I've definitely told you this story. But when I was like going into meditation, like I didn't even I was so angry at men that I didn't even want like anything to, to do with them energetically. Like I didn't even want any male guides. Like I was just like so afraid of the masculine energy. So when I went in and I was like, hey, who's my guides? Because every once in a while I like to check in and just see like what's changed because they do change. They were like all men. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, hell, like hell no. Like what? Um, and I've like always like had a connection it was just like then it was just like I don't I just want goddesses and like a set of masters who were feminine and at that time because I was so angry I was also you know neglecting the the masculine within myself and it was getting to a point where I was like operating within the wounded masculine way too much and just like have so much anger and so it was actually like Archangel Michael who came through and he was telling me about like relationships and I was just like I I like don't want to hear it like even if even if I was to like have a relationship I wouldn't even know like what it was supposed to be like because I've never really had a healthy relationship and have been in love and I was just like show me what it's like like I or like tell me what it's like and I thought that he was because I'm very clairaudient I hear a lot of the messages I thought he was going to be like this is what it's like like x y and z this is what you're supposed to be like Um, And he had me feel like what the sacred masculine felt like and like what I felt like in that, in a relationship with someone who was like that or in even just being around the sacred masculine and it changed everything for me. And even like how I operated within my own masculine energy, what I, how I approach like men in my day to day and like what I accept into, you know, my physical reality and what. I know it to be true and that it can be true. And so I actually do suggest like kind of connecting with the sacred masculine energy energetically to kind of get a feel because it really does open your eyes up, especially if you're a woman who's been taken advantage of or feels like they can't trust men or the masculine energy. Mm -hmm. So And men too, because I know men have experienced that as well. mm -hmm. Yeah. So with the sacred masculine energy, how would you describe that? And then how would someone go about connecting to that energy? Like, is there a reference point? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like who is that? <laughs> like, who is it? Um, so <laughs> um, it feels very, it just feels very stable. And like when I know for me, when I'm even around it physically, but at that time when I was in it energetically, it just, I felt very safe. And because I felt so safe, I felt like I could be myself in the full expression Mm -hmm. and really just kind of ease in to the feminine side and be a lot more balanced instead of having to like be both so strongly. And so it, it just felt safe and like I could fully express myself and be whoever I wanted to be and be free. And I think sometimes there's a misconception and this is something I've struggled with of like being in that energy. Sometimes you give up freedom and when the when it's a sacred masculine energy, it it wants that for the feminine. Like it wants the feminine to be free and to be expressive and to support and build whatever they have to to ensure that that happens. Mm-hmm. I know that's very like stereotypical, but it can work like obviously both ways, but it doesn't even have to be just like the woman stays home while like he does that. Like it can be in any way that she she wants and that they want, but it's that you feel safe and that you can fully be expressive of yourself and I think sometimes and I know for me like when I felt that I didn't really ever feel that before and so it was very interesting to to have that experience and for someone who you know wants to feel into that 
um, I suggest like connecting with either like the sacred masculine energy within yourself, because we always have that within us then almost ask that, sorry, to come forward. Or you can call on an energy that's sacred, it operates within the sacred masculine that you connect with. So for me, I connect to Archangel Michael a lot and certain like ascended masters that operate within the sacred masculine. So if you feel connected to one of them, for a lot of people, you know, where we grew up, a lot of people grew up Catholic or Christian. So connecting to, to Jesus, or if you connect more to like, gods like I love Apollo like he's great Osiris is awesome like um Mm -hmm. connecting to like that sacred masculine presence and asking them to come forward and just kind of like almost like hold you or just allow you to feel what it's like to be in the sacred masculine energy and then just sit and just kind of like wait (laughs) for a second (laughs) because it does it might take like a couple of minutes um because you also have to feel safe in that because I know for me, like I had guards up and then they told me to let them down. And then when I did, like I was able to feel it. And then what kind of happens is the more that you allow that, the more that you trust it, the more, the more that you feel that within and have that sacred union within, the more you see that in the outside reality. So I, all, a lot of my interactions now with men, just even at the coffee shop or whatever they are within this, I mean, sometimes, you know, things happen, but like, (laughs) for the most part, interactions and one-on-one interactions I have, it is people and and men who operate more of like, in that sacred masculine, because that's what you expect, and feel Mm -hmm. into and know is possible in the world. Mm, I love that. While you're talking, I feel like the sacred, I'm imagining a giant oak tree or something where the sacred- and Go talk like, to the oak tree. <laughs> yeah, like I, I know the big oak tree because it's like <laughs> masculine is the trunk, and then the the leaves and the branches are like the flowy feminine energy that can just be creative and move freely and with the support of the sacred masculine energy. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I'm imagining. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Very interesting and extremely helpful. I feel like we can all read into this a little bit about like dating and love life, but also your internal self and like, how can you build that stability within so that you can be free to express yourself and live in your purpose and live in your own creativity and those feminine qualities that we all want. And I know when people are living with eating disorders, like it's so hard to get to that place because you don't have that inner security and inner peace in that in that moment all the time Mm -hmm. interesting yeah I think that something that was really helpful for me is kind of recognizing where I'm more in my masculine or when I'm more in my feminine Mm -hmm. um and then kind of then even like boiling down it again and being like am I okay well what what triggers me to more operate within the wounded aspect of both so like kind of understanding like the trigger points so that I can examine them and look at them but also seeing like, well, where am I operating just in general within my masculine at work? I'm in when I'm doing business, I'm a lot more in my masculine than I am in my feminine. And so I have to then I'm obviously in business, you get very triggered a lot sometimes. And so then it turns into, okay, well, well, what's the trigger points for that? What makes me operate within the wounded aspect of that? And so then it's really getting to know yourself and almost dissecting like essentially your personality and within the masculine and the feminine realms so that you can examine that and take it to be more with operating within the sacred masculine or the sacred feminine and then experiencing what some people call like sacred union within and combining those energies and when we understand that at a deeper level we can understand 
what we need in the relationship from friendships or romantic that we want to have someone operating within the divine masculine so that we can be more in the feminine for people who identify being more in the divine feminine they're going to want someone probably who's more in the divine masculine so that they don't feel like they have to take over so much responsibility in the relationship and it can feel much more of like an equal partnership and versus like someone who maybe feels like they have to do it all or they operate within the masculine and so then the partner then responds to being more in their feminine and then there's more of like the woman doesn't want to be in that you you know what I mean and so it's definitely kind of just examining the self and combining the energies within and then understanding okay this is what I'm looking for in the romantic sense and then falling falling into that and honoring that within yourself Wow. So powerful and so helpful. I really have learned so much from (laughs) you today. And I feel like we covered all the major topics. (laughs) Um, People who are just starting their spiritual journey might be interested in, you know, we were talking about the chakra system, we were talking about ancestry and past lives. And now we're also talking about the feminine and masculine, sacred feminine and masculine. So there's a lot going on in this episode. So I'm so appreciative and grateful for you, all the knowledge and wisdom you bring as always. (laughs) And before I let you go, I just wanted to ask you if you could please share how the listeners can connect with you after listening to this episode yeah absolutely so you can find me on instagram at i am Haley cole i spell Haley h-a-l-e-y um and then my website is shinewithhaley.com and then i have everything about like the certification and stuff because um i'm starting up a new pro or not new program but a new round in march woohoo and what's the name of that program for uh, everyone listening it's a golden light healing certification very, very exciting and fun. <laughs> and I know there's so many people listening who would be interested in that. I find the eating disorder recovery community, we're all a bunch of very sensitive, loving souls, uh, <laughs> souls who would be interested in, in that. So anyway, I'm really excited to hear how all of that goes and just to continue to watch you, um, grow as an entrepreneur and as a person and as a friend and yeah thank you so much of course thank you it was so fun yeah. <laughs>